0: Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Hey there, men. It is good to be with you this week as we head into our second week of this 12 week journey. And if you missed last week, let me catch you up where we're going this semester. Uh, I found this great book called Lies Men Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. And it's written by Robert Wogelmuth. It's based basically the understanding that Satan has done a bang up job of feeding us lies over the years and and he, he, his longing is to get us to live in a way that is not our best life. Living within God's truth is the best life. So this book looks into 40 different lies that Satan has fed us and on the flip side he also presents God's truth that can set us up set us free from how Satan has us living. And so, I mean, you don't have to buy the book to be in this discussion or be in your life group discussions, but I recommend it. It's a good read. Uh, Today, we'll be looking into the first section that looks into lies that men believe about God. And you'll see in a moment what some of those lies are. But first, I'm excited to have a great man of God with me today as a guest. Uh, Richard Dickey is with me today. Richard is the vice chair of our local board administration here at New Life, and he serves in, in many ways around the church. Richard, it is good to be with you today.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, and, and Richard, you know, just to give the guys a little bit of understanding about you, uh, just tell me, how long have you been a Christian, and what has that journey been like?
1: Well, I've been a Christian all my life. Um, grew up with parents where church wasn't an expectation, it just was. Um, my dad was a salesman, so it was never, are you go- getting up to go to church today? Mm-hmm. It was when are you getting up so you can go to church? Yeah, today? I've lived
0: in a family yeah. like that. yep,
1: absolutely. So
0: Well, Richard, when you hear about how many men are presently in life groups here at New Life, how excited do you get and why? Uh, I'm very excited. Um, we know the, we know the
1: trends. Um, You know, we like to quote statistics on if a child brings a family into church, the the percentage of them that become Christians, and if the mom does it. Yeah. um, The highest number there is the father. It really is. So I think a lot of the problems in the world today are caused by men, and I think a lot of the solutions for those problems are men. And— That's a great thing to have all those men.
0: And for those of you who don't know out there and listening to this, uh, presently we have around, uh, give or take, around 70 men signed up just for our men life groups. That doesn't include the guys that are also signed up for couples life groups that they're in groups with their wives. And so we have a lot of men in the life of this church who give a darn. Yeah. Who they're willing to say, I want to be chasing after God a little bit, or at least figuring out. I had a guy come through the church today, and he's saying, Pastor, I've been away for a while, and I'm ready to commit. I'm ready to get back. And the first thing I said to him is, I said, Well, I want to get you signed up for a men's life group. And he said, I am in. Help me. Let's look. And so we looked at the schedule together, and he's ready to sign up. So it's it's so cool to hear men hungry. For getting into groups where they can talk about their faith with other men, iron sharpens iron. We know that's important to us. Absolutely. So, well, Richard, let's jump into uh, again. We're talking about lies that men believe about God, and there are five that we're going to look at tonight. We'll look at a couple of them a little bit more in detail than the other ones, but there's some good ones here that, and we're going to look at the truths in the in this as well. Uh, but the first one that we're going to look at here is God is not a whole lot different from me. God is not a whole lot different from me. And when I first saw this lie, I was surprised. I mean, I, I wondered, is this really a thing that some men think that they are equal to God, the, the creator of the universe? And, and then I read what the author wrote about, and it made more sense to me. And I understood it because of the number of people that I have counseled, the number of men that I have counseled. Uh, There are many of us who, because of the lies that we have been fed by Satan or because of the brokenness that has come our way, that we end up thinking, I am God-like. Robert, the author, shares this idea of narcissism, which is simply put, it's high levels of pride and selfishness. And I've seen the results of men who think of themselves in this way. It's not good how, out of their brokenness and misplaced understanding of God, how they treat others a lot of times. Their orthodoxy or what they believe leads them to orthopraxy or behaving, just not in good ways. Their why, How they treat their wives, their kids, their co-workers. This lie that men fall into messes up their relationships with others in many different ways. So, Richard, as you think about this, as you, I know you read this chapter and you understand a little bit. Uh, what helps you to keep this one in perspective? Uh, when you consider God in comparison to us humans, or specifically yourself, how do you see God?
1: Well, mostly I relate to God's relationship to us and his perfect love for us and the fact that I don't have that perfect love, um, I get very angry with people. <laughs> yep. I, I do not forgive them. Um, I, I hold grudges. And so on that relationship level, God is very different from me mm. because I do things that God has warned me about again and again. And his love is perfect for me.
0: Yeah. Well, there's no doubt that having a good understanding of who we are in relation to who God is, it can transform us. In such a huge way, uh, you know, one book of the Bible that helps me uh, with this understanding is the book of Proverbs. It helps us over and over to understand how we should approach God if we want to find a blessed life. And the word fear is a major part of it. Now, I know we men don't like to think we're afraid of anything, but but fear here in the book of Proverbs is not like being afraid of spiders or something like that. But instead. Other words that would appear in this understanding would be the idea of reverence or awe, being so overwhelmed with how much more awesome God is that it causes us to be different because of it. For instance, listen to a couple of these passages. Uh, Fear, in, in Proverbs chapter 1, 7, it says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. In Proverbs nine ten, it says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good, good results in good judgment. You know, and there's that's just a couple of them. There's so many good ones. 1417, 1427 says the fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape or freedom from the snares of death. God is awesome, all parts of God. His power, his creativity, his love, his mercy, his righteousness, all of it. And for each of these lies the author lists, he also lists a truth that tells God's story. And so this one, which is counter this, is God is holy. His brilliant otherness cannot adequately be described. Once we have fully embraced this, nothing is ever the same. You know, one of my profs at school, Richard, I think you'll get a kick out of this. One of my professors at seminary used to tell us that he didn't fear God's wrath as much as he feared God's mm. love. And I scratched my head quite a bit on that one at I first. I love that one. Yeah. That's good. And, and that might sound confusing, but it's because God's love is so, and I can't say so long enough, it is so awesome, so unwavering, so unconditional that we just we just can't fathom it, that he loves us that much. So, Richard, I know this one is so important to you as you talk about God's love and grace a lot. So, what do you see this truth being so? How do you see this truth being so important to us, men?
1: Um, understanding God's love for us, and we can't. We 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 have nothing to base it off of. Um, God shows us His love in so many different ways, not not just in the way He cares for us directly, but in the relationships we have. And the grace and mercy that we show each other helps us to display God's characteristics. It really does. To the world. Yeah. Um, and it's so important. Um, the, the world has such a, a biased view of God being wrathful and vengeful. And, and truthfully, I used to think that myself. Yeah. Um, the Old Testament war God mm. until I read the Old Testament and thought, he's reaching out with love in every chapter there is love
0: yeah the same god that is jesus in the new testament is the same god in the old testament and and you can see it in there absolutely
1: absolutely
0: well it's interesting that truth of of god's love actually leads us into the next lie that we're going to look at uh the second lie is god isn't actually involved in or concerned with the details of my life. Now, I see this lie playing out and hurting us men in multiple areas of life. For instance, Richard, you and I are both dads. Now, my kids are a little younger than yours, but can you remember back when your kids were younger and how they longed for their dad to notice the things that they were doing? No matter if it were sports, or involved in music, or even a cool thing that they maybe made out of Legos. Do you remember those moments, Richard? Oh,
1: absolutely. I remember coming home from work every night, and uh, there were two kids there to greet me, and a dog. Yeah. And uh, they wanted to be noticed. Yeah, absolutely. His they dad wanted, paying attention. They wanted to uh, let me know what the day was like. They wanted to know what my day was like. They wanted to know they were happy I was home.
0: Yeah. And how did your kids respond both when you got it right, you know, when you were paying attention to them, and how might it bother them? Do you remember any of those moments when you possibly got it wrong?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I feel like I got it wrong more than I got it right. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Um, and and that, that may be true, but when I got it wrong, it, it hurt them. And and they may not have displayed that to me, but they displayed it. Yeah. Um, when I got it right, they glowed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Was, I was just at a second grade musical concert here this evening. And, you know, Daniel was in this group. He was singing his songs. And, you know, his eye contact with mommy and daddy was just constant, just wanting to notice were we seeing him? Were we paying attention to him? And and so that's just an example of that. Now, if we translate those thoughts to our heavenly Father, if a man was fed the lies that his father doesn't care about the details, what could that do to a man?
1: Well, it just makes us feel it makes us feel anonymous oh, and, and unseen. Good word. Yeah, and uh, like we don't matter. Um, I think I think the beauty of of the world is shown in the ways that we all work together to make civilization happen. Mm. So I, there's not an unimportant job that's being done. Every job out there is important. Yeah, and we tend to shine light on the more glorified ones. But if that guy isn't at McDonald's, I don't get to eat lunch.
0: That's right. Life is important no matter where you are. We all have a purpose. I think we talk about this a lot at New Life that we believe that God has created us on purpose for a purpose. And he's, you know, so I I think about what David wrote in Psalm 139 is one of my favorite Psalms, uh, where he wrote, I'm just going to read a little bit of this, but, Oh Lord, you've examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything that I do. And that's just a couple of those verses. I mean, I invite you to read, jump into Mm -hmm. chapter 139 of the Psalms because it just goes deeper into that. Uh, You know, one of the best words for me in this area that I, when I think about how God walks with us is this word collaboration. Richard, when you hear the word collaboration, and you think about your relationship with God, what comes to mind and how does it play out in our walk with God when you think about God possibly collaborating with us on this journey of faith?
1: I think collaboration is a perfect word because um, it is. God isn't going to do the work for you.
0: He gives us free will. Right. Yeah.
1: You 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 are going to be inspired to do things, and you have to do them. Yeah. Um, it's a lot like tithing. So... If I give mm-hmm. a little bit of money the God is is faithful to us to return blessings to us in tithing and it's weird how it works yeah
0: but it's a promise it's it, there it's a faith thing it's, it's trusting yeah. God with all of our resources yep absolutely yeah. you know I, this this idea of collaboration for me it's you know I think about when I'm born that I have a blank book in front of me there's no writing on the pages yet and, and it's my autobiography. And God longs to help me co-author my book, my, my life story. And he helps me write that story together as I walk with him in faith.
1: And so as I think about it, you know,
0: the truth of this one, again, the fact that, you know, the, the lie was that God doesn't care about the details of my life. And the truth is nothing is too grand or too in, insignificant for God's care. He made us and is involved in every detail of our lives, large and small. And if we truly believe that, man, that I don't know about you, but that Richard, that makes me my chest get pumped up because puffed up because I want to walk with a God who cares about me and is walking with me. Absolutely. That's exciting. The next law uh, or lie that we're looking at here, Richard, is uh, one that's uh, interesting. Uh, it says that I can earn, god's favor richard have you ever felt that way
1: you know i have never felt that i could earn god's favor okay i've felt the reverse of this tell that, me what you mean that what i do will lose me god's favor god's love for me is going to diminish because of something i've done
0: Ooh. Well, that's So that's not good either no because that can really hurt our
1: relationship as well no um but sometimes you, you see this played out in how people act. They they think they're doing the will of God, and that can be a very dangerous thing. Um because yeah. they're earning earning their way into heaven and, and you can't do it.
0: That's I mean, for sure. I, I mean, I know it I have times, you know, even as a pastor, uh I think all of us pastors have moments when, you know, I I believed this lie of of Satan and I thought I needed to pastor a certain way or or to get God's proverbial pat on the back that I'm doing a good job. And, but, you know, I get reminded of myself as I read through God's Scripture of the truth that that's not the case at all, that God's grace is, just blows over me and it showers upon me. And that's where life begins for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some of us men, this lie is actually fed to us through our parents or those who raised us. We are shown by them that we will be loved only when we carry out what they want or need us to do. We get approval from them when we behave or when we succeed at something. And then we men look at God the same way, like we have to do something to get that love and approval. And that can really, I mean, it's just like that heavy backpack with rocks on our back that just, it's just that burden of, Can I do enough to get God to Mm -hmm. love me? And, man, that just—it can really affect some guys. You know, if someone has come to New Life or watched online, they have heard the statement, we say it every single week, Jesus loves you unconditionally, and he died to give you new life. Richard, why do you feel that statement is important enough for us to say it here at church every single week?
1: Because of the truth behind it, the— Jesus does love us unconditionally, and he gave his life for us. Um, when we when we look at that, when we see the way that God loves us, that there's nothing we can do to earn that love. Mm. Um, one, one of the ways I like to look at the world is that when I interact with somebody, I'm never going to interact with somebody that God loves less than me wow. or that God loves more than me. His, his love is perfect. And it's perfect across the board. And so when we, you know, you mentioned that heavy burden of trying to do things. Yeah. If we flip that on its head and we see what a privilege it is to serve the creator of the universe.
0: Who loves us unconditionally. Who loves
1: us unconditionally. And we can't win favor from him, but we can serve him with a heart that wants to see the world that he wants to see that looks at every person and and wants them to know the peace and the love and and the joy of of that relationship with
0: jesus and if we see our father in heaven from that perspective man that can just free us it brings freedom yep and that because it's a truth and it sets us free to live differently to interact with other people differently yep. you know Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this it is a gift from God salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it it starts with grace Absolutely. and it ends with grace and that's if that's what we believe about God it does change our perspective. So the truth that our author shares in here that offsets this, we cannot earn God's approval, we can only receive his undeserved favor. And something that I'm going to add to that is cuz this is what I try to teach my kids that this is my love for them and it's God's love for them that there is nothing that I can do to make God love me more, and there is nothing that I can do to make God love me less. I agree completely. That's huge. Okay, on to number four, Richard. This is another good one. Uh, it's one that uh, I've seen before. There are many ways to God, and every time I see this one or I hear this one, I've been a pastor. I've heard it many times before. Uh, you know, it reminds me back when Karen we weren't Karen and I weren't even married yet. I'm not sure if we were engaged yet, but Uh, It was my first church where I was kind of the assistant pastor part-time. And Karen was just in a Sunday school class this one Sunday morning. And the guy in that class, teaching the class, leading the class, put God at the top of this chalkboard or whiteboard. And then he drew lines down to all these different religions, Christianity being one of them. And he shared this understanding that all these different ways can lead to God. And Karen, I still remember, Karen came out of the class in tears because she had to, in church, in a Christian church, she had to fight for what she believed to be true, that what we believe to be true, that there is one way, and that is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, so, Richard, you know, as look at this, one, I have a question for you. Here. Uh, this is something that this tolerant world struggles with. This idea for, with Christianity. And Satan has fed this lie a lot. So, Richard, I want you to help me understand this a little bit from your perspective. I know you have a great analogy here that you want to share with us. How does this play out in your mind?
1: So there's a lot of discussion and a lot of truth going around. Your truth, my truth, their mm-hmm. truth. Yeah. There is the truth. And, and what the world fails to acknowledge is that the truth exists. It really does. Um, so... Um, if I'm a denier of gravity, gravity I, I think, like like falling yes. from the sky, gravity. Yes. Okay, gravity. Um, it, gravity is very unfair. It um, can be. It is very untrustworthy. Gravity um, should not have a place. Um, we should not listen to what gravity has to say. When I go on to the top of First Interstate Bank downtown to yep. show everyone that my disbelief in gravity. <laughs> Is a very real thing. How does Chris feel about you doing this? I don't think she would like it very much. Yeah. Um, Gravity is going to win that argument because gravity is a truth. And if we if we don't acknowledge that the truth exists, then we have we're not going to be able to adapt to the world because the world is going to be very harsh to us.
0: Wow. And that goes with, like, you're talking about a truth in nature. It talks about truth in relationships, truth that we're talking about here Mm -hmm. that we, we, you know, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So everything goes back to Jesus, to God, and it starts with him, the creator of all of these truths. Yes. He is, yeah. And so, uh, you know, Pastor Mike recently shared In one of his sermons out of the book of Daniel, which has been an amazing sermon series, he helped us to realize that Christianity is both exclusive and inclusive. It's exclusive because we believe that Jesus is the way. Mm -hmm. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So it's exclusive. But the cool thing is that everybody is invited. So it's inclusive as well. And that's what God is all about. He tells everybody come as you are. No matter where you've been, what you've done, you're invited on this journey of faith. And that to me, as Mike shared that the other in, in that Sunday service, it just really blessed me. Cuz that's the God, that's the truth of the God that I love to serve. Yeah. That he does provide a way and it's open to everybody. So Richard, the truth then, this one is, Jesus Christ is our only way to God. And that is an exclusive truth. But, man, it's inclusive as well. Yeah, it's open to anyone. Anyone. Which leads us to the church. And this is our last lie that we're going to look at. And this is I know a lot of men think this way. I've walked with a bunch of them. I had just one in my office here that was thinking this way here just recently. And the lie is, church, I can take it or leave it. Mm. And, and and that's one that yeah, we deal with a lot. Uh, Richard as a leader in our church, we both see we we both see this a lot where people come and go in regards to their life in the church. Sometimes it's for a short period of time, sometimes it's longer, they drift away for a while. And the way COVID disrupted the world over these last 2 years, we've seen it even more. So Richard, how have you seen this affecting men's lives if they believe this lie. So
1: there's a story I read. Uh, a man is talking to a mentor in his life, and he says, "You know i'm I'm having problems with the church. i I don't want to go anymore. they're they're saying some things that I don't like. Uh, they're always asking me for money. i I don't need church. I don't need that to have a relationship with God." Yeah. and as as the man's talking through this they're they're sitting by a fireplace and and the mentor reaches out with some tongs and he grabs a, a glowing ember out of the fire and he sets it next to the fireplace outside of the fire and as he sets it there there's a flame from it but it dies out and and starts going away and the and the man keeps explaining all of the things that he doesn't like about church the people that go there that are hypocrites the the sinners that are there the The messages he hears are not feeding him well and he just he thinks he has better things to do with his time Hmm. and as he's talking he he kind of dies down in his talk because by now this ember that's been taken out of the fire is is dead it's it's cold it's it's black it's it's dead and it is has stopped glowing and and the mentor just kind of shrugs at him and Picks it back up and, and puts it in the fire and comes back to life. Huh. It starts glowing. Again. That's a great image. And uh, we're, we're meant to be part of, of something. God lives in our relationships. Um, we are meant to interact with each other and be fed by each other.
0: We really are. God created us for a relationship. And we see that in the very beginning when he created Adam and Eve. He, he created Adam and said, you don't do as good alone, so I'm going to bring another alongside of you. And we see that throughout all the biblical story, that God is in relationships. He, he says, Abraham, I'm going to create a people through you. And then it just keeps on going all the way up through, all the way through to the book of Hebrews in 1025, where He's you know, the, you know God is talking through the author of Hebrews and saying, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, like men. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Uh, you know, Getting together uh, at church, in life groups, in relationships, it's, we've heard the phrase, iron sharpens iron, Richard. We believe it because we, I know you and I together, have experienced it. Yeah. I'm better, Richard, when I'm walking with a guy like you, when we can hold each other accountable, we can teach each other, we can... Uh, share each other's burdens, we can walk together in joy and in sorrows. Uh, We we do life better when we're together. So, Richard, what are some of the ways being connected to the church on a regular basis has helped you to be a better man? Or, shall I say it because it's the Holy Man podcast, a holier man?
1: I think that interacting with, with people at church allows us to hear the stories of God. Oh, yeah. Um, my dad used to say that we really never should have stopped writing the Bible. We should have kept adding to it. Yeah. Um, because God is active. God is in our lives. And being able to see that at church is is a wonderful thing. That's where we, that's where we meet with each other. Uh, we, we're called to go out into the world. We really are. And, and church is our time to come back together. And to refresh, mm. and to recharge, and maybe here's some different ways that work, that of of interacting with the world, and and that's what that's how it helps. Um, just those different perspectives, and and being able to have the talks with with uh, different points of view, and and be able to work through those things in that environment.
0: You know, there's no doubt, Richard, that God shows up in our own individual lives. When I'm at home in my chair where I do my devotions, I encounter God there. But in my many, many years of being connected to the church, both as a kid, as a volunteer youth pastor, as then as a pastor throughout my life, the best places where I've encountered God is as walking with other people in writing the story of God. I like to say that we're we're writing Acts chapter 29, that we're continuing on writing the story of God yep. as we live as the people of God. Yep. Absolutely. Richard, that's so cool. I mean, his truth here, he says, for a believer, which it takes us to the car lot, is, it's a good way to talk to a man. For a believer, church should be not be optional. It should be standard equipment. And I truly believe that. Well, Richard, yep. I start yep. off, you know, our first week at looking into Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And again, it says it talks about how. If we as men give our lives to God, it's an act of worship saying God, I'm giving my life in faith to you uh, then God by the power of the Holy Spirit will change the way we think that he's that we can't be conformed to the ways of the world but instead walking with God, the Holy Spirit will transform us into making us more and more holy men. So Richard, and these five areas just sum it up. What, as you think about men's relationship with God, what does this, what do these lies and more importantly these truths do for us as men in becoming holier men?
1: God is truth. Um, the, in the so, if we look at gravity, if we look at um, nuclear forces that hold cells together, that hold atoms together, God is in there. Uh, I have a science background, yeah, and God is truth. And that to to see that played out again and again. the The thing about the Bible is we go to the Bible and then we take it into the world and test it and it works out. It really does. And that to be able to do that, to be able to stand on that foundation, um, Jesus talked about foundations. A lot. A lot. And to be able to stand on that foundation and reach um, for other people and and to be able to love with God's love is, I've said it before, it's a privilege. It's a huge privilege and a huge responsibility. And we should, we should see it as
0: that. We really should. Well, I think the guys are going to have some great conversations in their life groups. Uh, and so hopefully they're going to get into those and, uh, and really talk about this. Uh, some powerful lies that many of us men have struggled with, but more importantly, some powerful truths that if we grab hold of them, the Holy Spirit can transform us into being more and more of holy men.
1: And the nice thing about it, if they get it completely wrong yeah. and mess up the discussion yeah. and don't get anything right, right— God's still going to love
0: them anyway, and God's and God's still going to be right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Richard, thank you for joining me today, and uh, and I look forward to seeing. I got a couple other men already lined up for doing some future podcasts, and uh, I can't wait for those. Guys, have a great discussion as you discuss the journey of becoming holy men.